Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling and Michael Rand of the Star Tribune from TCO Performance Center, where we just got done listening to Kwese Adolfo Mensa and Kevin O'Connell discuss their free agency so far and their roster that is very much a work in progress. Um, we didn't get a whole lot of answers directly outside of uh, quote, constant communication with Zadarius Smith and Dalvin Cook, and conversations are, quote, ongoing. Uh, the quarterback succession plan is something they're looking at every year, always looking to the quarterbacks. Um, I believe that from KOC's standpoint, but Ben, Mike, it sure seems like there's a vigor behind the scenes to evaluate this year's class as Kirk Cousins enters his contract year, which is the biggest story of this offseason. Yeah, I mean, there has to be a vigor to evaluate it. I am not convinced that they will take a quarterback in the first round. They do not have a second-round pick at the moment. I certainly think they could take a quarterback in this draft. I don't believe it is like come hell or high water, we have to come out of this with a quarterback. We have seen in the past that if you take that approach, it can be a problem. Yes. And there's some things we could ponder there. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yes. O'Connell yes, sir. said that you have to take the right one. Um, that, I think, will <laughs> disqualify certain quarterbacks in this draft. Uh, I know there are, are some they are not as big of fans of as the mock draft intelligentsia may suggest for them. Um, I don't think it's impossible that Cousins is back in 24. I don't think it's impossible that they have a bridge starter in 24. Uh, they said again that they don't want to have to play a rookie right away. So I think that kind of sets the playing field a little bit of where they have to go with this thing. But I think they also know that if you back yourself into a corner with the wrong first-round pick at quarterback, you are basically staking your reputation on that player, especially when a lot of teams don't take one every year. I mean, some teams do, and maybe this would be the team that would say, no, we whiffed on it. Let's take Kyler Murray after Josh Rosen instead of just doubling down on Josh Rosen. Not that Kyler Murray's worked out either, but the principle is, is one that you don't see a lot of teams use. If you are the team that says, I want a quarterback, and I'm sticking by that guy for three years, it can put you in trouble, yes. uh, either that year or eight years later when you finally lose your job. I'm going to ponder that one. Uh, it was eight. It was eight. Yep. It was eight. <laughs> I got it right, right? Hi, Rick. Um, yeah, Mike, we heard Kwese and O'Connell talk about, we asked multiple questions about their quarterback situation in this class, the succession plan with Kirk. Um, O'Connell mentioned he doesn't want to, quote, sacrifice it being the right player, meaning that, as Ben just said, you're not going to force it just because you need one right now. Um, what did you think? You were sitting there with with the presser as well. What did you think of what you heard? Yeah, I thought that was I thought there was some interesting stuff in there. The the stuff about you're right, not taking a guy like you got to be you got to want that pr player right. Like the there's the notion of a rookie scale quarterback is valuable, but only if he can play right. Like yes. if, if, it's like it's kind of the worst thing if you invest in somebody and they can't play because then you got a quarterback who's not any good. And it even puts if you in purgatory, it does. It, it then you have to do it all over again. You're you're not going to win if you don't have. Hi, Mitch. Hi, Mitch. I mean, even even back in you know the mid two thousands when the Vikings invested in you know it was a second round pick, but they traded up to get Tavares Jackson. Like that was an experiment that ultimately led them to Brett Favre. Like three years later, so it was. It was the kind of thing where you you have a lot of investment in that, but if it's not the right guy, then it's not you know he can be as inexpensive as you want him to be. He's just not the right fit. So, I think that's a good point. What I, what I get stuck on is 
Kirk Cousins in 2024 has like a 29 million dollar dead cap number yeah. if he's cut 25 yeah it's just it, the the idea of a bridge quarterback when you're when you're paying that much just in dead money on Kirk Cousins doesn't make sense to me so i keep coming back to the ideal situation for them obviously this year is to have someone they believe in maybe they don't have to get that person at 23 maybe they can do a little bit of trading and still accumulate more assets and get that quarterback. Cause I feel like that's in a perfect world. You are able to draft your quarterback now. So you can turn that over to him in 2024 and not have to do this kind of like extra year where you're not quite sure where you're going at quarterback. So that, that's where it breaks down for me. You got to like the guy though. Yes, I you mean, do. You got to like the guy and finding the guy that you like at 23 when you don't really have a lot of capital to move up unless they were to trade a veteran. It it makes it a little more difficult. I was going to say, presumably, you'd want to trade up, right? But what's available right now, it's just the third pick in, in Arizona yeah. from what yeah. you've heard. But then do you view three quarterbacks as, yeah. as in that tier, right, that you Assuming are that it's uh, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud 1-2. Yeah, um, yeah, or you just have to be open to the possibility of not getting your guy. You have, yeah. to, you have to love three if yes. you're going to trade for that third yep. pick because you just don't know what's going to happen. Because you're not two. getting one and two. Yeah, I mean, you, exactly. Those are going to be the two quarterbacks that those teams like, yep. and that's probably pretty much that. And you can't bank on Houston if you think there's even a chance of them passing on a quarterback this year. You can't bank on them doing that. So, yeah, do you think that there's a third quarterback in Anthony Richardson? Um, do you think there's a third quarterback in a Hendon Hooker that is worth that kind of a trade-up? Yeah. Um, or one that, if it's Hendon Hooker, that'd be certainly available probably later than three. Um, ben, it was interesting to me, both of you guys, I thought it was interesting that we heard O'Connell say, too, that you know guys that do it athletically and succeed athletically in college, that can jump off the tape, but you're looking for traits, as he said, quote, traits you look for that can carry over at quarterback, not just basically not just athletic freaks um, at, at that position. They want accurate passers. I mean, every time he gets asked this question, that is the first thing he brings up, is a guy that can deliver the ball where it needs to be on time. Um, yeah, that is one of the things they like about Cousins, is he's an accurate quarterback. So, I mean, that, that piece of it, if you are going to move on from him, is, I think, part of it. And, and I – this Cousins thing – I don't think is because they don't like Cousins as a quarterback. I think it is a question of what's the price tag? How much are we going to commit? What is the level at which we're going to do it? The length, the value of the contract. That is more of it with Cousins than do we fundamentally think he's good enough to play the position? I, I think it is that is where the discussion is, and that is what has us at this point where he is staring into the last year of his contract. I don't think it's impossible that they'd work something out if they say you have a good enough year, and you also kind of get the year for your agent to do some backgrounding and say, hey, hypothetically, if this guy was to become a free agent in March, how interested would you be? If they come back in February and think, you know what, there's not really that great of a market here, maybe some of that discussion changes as a result so I think that is much more shaping the Cousins discussion at the moment than do we think we can win with this guy. I mean, there's always a question of, of how much you can win with him, but I, I know they believe he is a high-end quarterback. I, I don't know that they would sit here and say that he is you know, at the very top, as not as tier one quarterback said. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, my sense is they put him – 
if we're going to use the Sando scale, um, the Mike Sando thing, tier one, tier two, tier three, yeah. tier four, I think they'd put him tier two on the higher end of it. Really? In my understanding Jeez. of it. I, I don't think they'd say he's tier one. Um, I think I certainly think he'd be tier two. I think that would be a minority opinion around the league, wouldn't it? Well, it's it? their opinion. Yeah, it is, it, which is the only one that matters. Yeah. But Yeah, and, and I think that's all relative, right, to if you're comparing these tiers of quarterbacks as you're talking about versus just how you evaluate players from like a blue, red, whatever color scale is. Um, but with these quarterbacks, I found it interesting, too, that these guys were asked straight up, do you want a quarterback who's mobile? Like, are you looking for an athletic yeah. kind of, you know, as the NFL, you know, evolves a little bit in that sense and, and guys are schemed for um o'connell also said that he wants he said you always have these traits in mind but you want to stay true to your football philosophy your x's and o's how you got there he says there's a lot of ways to do that then he went on to talk about how a lot of ways to run a successful offense with a lot of different styles of quarterback it doesn't seem like that even if they want somebody more mobile than kirk that doesn't take that much by the way um it you you seemingly though it doesn't seem like they're saying hey we need to go get the next cam newton for no no i i don't think that's gonna be you're because I mean, he talked a little bit about. I thought it was interesting when he said the best coaches are able to stay true to their philosophies while adapting a little bit for the talents that a player has. That made me immediately think of Andy Reid in Kansas City. Andy Reid, of course, has been you know kind of dyed in the wool West Coast offense guy, short passes to the running backs. I mean, all kind of that very fundamental Bill Walsh, Mike Holmgren kind of stuff. Obviously, was in Holmgren's on Holmgren's staff at Green Bay. That's what you saw him do for years in Philadelphia. They get Patrick Mahomes and say, well, okay, we're going to go run his offense. We're going to use a lot of the same things, but we're going to marry it with what he does. Patrick Mahomes is not running around playing backyard football all the time. He can certainly do it when you need him to do it. Um, that is not the, f the the central tenant that their offense runs on. So I think they would – you know, certainly if you have the ability to make plays with your feet, sure, but you, they're not going to go find Cam Newton, Lamar Jackson, those types of players – I don't think that's going to be fundamentally how they want their offense to run. As he was answering that question, my mind flashed to you know, something that maybe I want to go look back on. Maybe you guys remember this more clearly than I do, but the fourth and eight play that has gotten so much attention that, that, ended, that ended their season. Yeah, you, 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 have you heard about it? The fourth and eight play where you checked yeah, yeah. down? I've been coaching track. I haven't paid much attention. Could, was for a mobile quarterback, and again, it's probably schemed differently because Kirk is not a mobile quarterback. But let's let's just let's say the play develops exactly how it did. For a mobile quarterback, was there room on that play to run? And and does that does that kind of thing where you get into those situations if you only have a guy that can complete a pass versus run for eight yards? Does that stick with him at a certain point? I mean, I remember multiple times in that game where I'm thinking Kirk could have done something in terms of, you know, moving around. And and we see him – what game was it last year where he had a 30-yard touchdown run? I can't, uh, was it the Colts? I can't remember. But there was some game in there where he just shocked every – shocked the world. Yeah. With a th and I'm not saying that that should ever be the expectation with Kirk, but I think Kirk gets it in his brain of like, okay, because he's, so, he's such a methodical person and player – that this is how I win, this is how we do things, this is how we're coached to do things, and I need to get the ball out. And you hear not pocket classic pocket passers from Kurt Warner to um, Philip Rivers talk about one of the most important things is getting the ball out. Yeah. That's if you aren't going to win with your feet, which Kirk never will in this game. So he's wired that way. So you you can't then ask him in these critical moments to be wired differently. No, and say, of course now you just can't. So that, that, yeah, so that is who he is, and they know that. And so when the question gets asked about do you need a mobile quarterback – 
I think there's so many degrees of nuance in there that you just need one that's a little more mobile, right? You need one who is wired in a way that knows I can run around and find time and at least for my arm, not necessarily for my legs. And that's just never been Kirk, never will be Kirk. And I think whether it's CJ Stroud, whether it's Bryce Young, whether it's any of these quarterbacks, Joe Burrow does this. You can kind of buy time um, and, and, and move around and be more athletic than, than a Kirk Cousins. It just doesn't need to be in the Justin because I think whoever asked the question today asked it with Justin Fields in mind and like that's never going to be their thing as Ben talks about they're going to want somebody who can throw on time accurate run the progressions um the traits that KOC talked about he mentioned um accuracy with number one he mentioned also process read with your feet and your eyes I mean all these things that you you talk about in terms of a former quarterback breaking down that play and that that style of game that they need and and there's one person why you need that in this offense especially and it's Justin Jefferson too well and I think I mean if you find a guy that can do all the things O'Connell talked about and can also make plays with his feet great you probably got to be picking one two maybe three to get him. I mean, that those guys – I mean, if you said we have the passer that reads the whole field, is accurate, makes plays with his feet in the pocket, can get out and extend plays, has the arm to play the position, yeah, sign me up. I think every coach would say that. But those guys are also um, not terribly common and not easy to acquire when they become available. Well, coming up with the draft, Ben, you mentioned one of the trade or two of the trade ships they might have because Kwesi likes to move around the draft board as he did last year in his first time around as Vikings GM. They have five picks right now, right? Yes. Uh, or is it? Yeah, I think so. I think it's five. With, they got a comp pick. With the comp with pick. With the comp okay. pick, it's five. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't remember if it's five with or without. And they need presumably they, they need some more picks and they're going to probably get some in some way shape or form will that be with moving Zadarius Smith or Dalvin Cook uh, last time we talked to you guys from this podcast Ben was down at the owners meetings and we talked more about where they're at with those guys and not too much has changed as we sat here because we asked the guys directly involved with Quasi and Kevin O'Connell and they didn't have much answers outside of the constant communication with both parties and that the conversations are, quote, ongoing with both of those guys. Um, the draft deadline spur action, Ben, maybe this is what is going to lead some push to shove with either of them. Yeah, the interesting thing there is they say conversations are ongoing with two players who now have base salary guarantees for the 2023 season, which tells you that the fact they have base salary guarantees does not 100% mean they are going to be on the roster. That has been discussed that the base salary guarantees mean these guys are locks to be here. That I don't, as I understand it, that's not the case. It, it does mean they are not going to just give them away for a ham sandwich. Um, pardon the pun. <laughs> well, they're not trading the chef for a ham sandwich. I mean, the ham, you can make a ham, you can make a ham and month sandwich <laughs> as the current roster exists. Uh, that's a deep cut from the press box this year. Anyway, uh, ham and one sandwich with Hawkinson mustard. Um, where it's were gourmet, we going with gourmet, this? That's the gourmet stuff. Dalvin Cook. Mike Jadarius Father of how Smith. many hasn't contributed any of these? Three. Jokes. No, this Come is on, good. Uh, yeah, I should be, should be jumping on these dad <laughs> jokes. But uh, you were talking about uh, Zedarius Smith, yeah. Dalvin Cook, um, yeah. trade chips. Yeah, I think they are a side of trade chips, chips with the ham and mustard sandwich and Hawkinson mustard. Uh I think they are going to 
Explorer offers, uh, yeah. if they get something they like, I think they would be open to doing it. Um, the, you know, those two guys are two of the better trade ships they have. Daniel Hunter is an interesting one as well, given the fact that he's going to be a free agent after this year and is, has a really low contract number for this year. I We'll see how that goes. I mean, the, the roster, it, I would say this, and I think you and I talked about this at the owners' meetings a little bit. If the roster looks mismatched to you right now, and I, maybe we've talked about this yeah. a little bit too, yeah. but let's say it again. If the roster looks mismatched to you right now, it's because it's uh, mid-April. I, I don't think this roster is going to look exactly the same as it does when they get to training camp. I still think there's a move or two that's going to happen as a result of this. I also wouldn't be shocked if some prominent names don't show up Monday yep. to uh, the Vikings start of the offseason program. Kevin O'Connell would only say that they had good attendance last year. He expects more of the same this year. Uh, he was asked if he expects Darius and uh, Dalvin to be here on Monday, and they would only say that it's voluntary, which is code for uh, you know if they don't show don't up. Don't be surprised if they don't. It's yeah. voluntary, yeah. Um so if you those guys sound like Dalvin's been rehabbing here though, didn't he? I didn't pick up on that. Okay, well, maybe I go back and listen um, to it again. But a number of guys have been, as they've talked about, and and we've given you updates on Brian O'Neill and Lewis Seen. Um, uh, Caleb Evans has also been in the building working out for them. I thought um, he did include Dalvin in that list of players that he was saying is taking advantage of TCO. So maybe maybe he was maybe he has been here. Yeah, I mean it would make sense certainly. And the, the only question is whether or not they continue to show up when the classroom setting stuff um, starts taking place with their teammates um, amid contract disputes. Dalvin is still set to get paid a lot of money this year, and it you know from all accounts um, he has not and he hasn't accepted a pay cut to this point because he's still set to earn that money. So he doesn't have any reason to skip out yet. It's Daniel Hunter is my question. It's Zadarius Smith yeah. who has tweeted his goodbye and is yeah, still Yeah, those here. would be the two. Um, those guys um, seem to be unhappy with what they're making, or I would guess, at least on Daniel's part, I have no indication of this, but I would guess that Daniel would not be happy with, is it $6 million, $8 million? It's not a lot of money for a guy who definitely deserves a lot more, and that contract was drawn up last year with um, going back to the table in mind. And a year ago, Quasey was saying, I want to get this guy under contract long-term, and they still have not been able to do it with Daniel Hunter. So, Ben, you mentioned that would be a pretty decent trade chip, too, if they could figure out the money yeah. to do it. Yeah, I think he's probably got the best trade value of anybody you have when you look at the fact that he's not 29 yet. He is an edge rusher that has been – you know, I early in his career, he looked like he was on a gold jacket trajectory. I mean, in those first few years, especially playing that left end spot in Mike Zimmer's defense, he looked like he was going to be a guy that put up ridiculous numbers for a lot of his career and maybe ended up in Canton one day. Um, certainly talented enough to do that. Numbers have kind of taken him off of that trajectory a little bit. Um, but I, I think a guy that a lot of people will look at and say, this, this is still a really productive pass rusher in – the right system and I I don't know if you would look at him here I think you'd say 4-3 type system I mean maybe the Giants if they were interested Andre Patterson kind of the reuniting thing there um yeah I I think if you're looking to get something back that gives you a swing in the top 100 picks in the draft he would probably give you your best chance to do it um in Smith you'd have to find the right team I think that would say we want to take him on. He's 31, I think. He's had injuries, played through injuries last year, missed a lot of time with a back injury his last year in Green Bay. So it would take a little bit of a projection probably to have somebody want to give up a lot for him. Cook, it's 
you know, do we want to pay for a running back that's had a lot of carries and will be 28 this year? So you know, I, I think Hunter probably fetches a better return if they were interested in doing it. I think all those reasons you just laid out are pretty good ones for why this has taken so long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, these aren't guys who, you know, are, are super cheap. In Daniil's case, they are, but I just wonder, you know, the Vikings aren't going to let him walk out the door. No, they're not. So that's the one where they would probably want the biggest return on. But with Zedarius and Dalvin, trading those guys can't be very easy. And you see the Lions have to eat, I think it was over a million, just to get rid of Jeff Okuda, who was a young, former top pick to a middling team in the Falcons. The trade market is just not rewarding uh, and paying for probably what teams view is worth for their talent unless you were just completely ready to move on. So it'll be fascinating to see what happens there as we get to draft night. We will talk to you guys again uh, draft week about that. Before that, though, we should talk more about uh, their previous draft class. Yeah. 2022, they keep referencing a Caleb Evans, <laughs> Lewis, these guys? Seen, Andrew Booth Jr., as reasons for optimism, even though we as media, you guys as fans, has not been able to see a whole lot from them. Um, ben, they mentioned again today that they expect a lot out of those guys when they were asked, what really is your need at corner? Yeah, I mean, they, they brought those two names up and said they've both been in the building rehabbing injuries, and we've heard heard them talk a number of times about how they like seeing those guys every day and how they both look a lot better. Lewis Seen has made a lot of progress from that, you know, nasty injury he had in London um, so I, I think they feel like they're going to get more out of those guys and it was a lot of well we've seen them every day we see them behind the scenes that in a way that you guys don't we believe they can play seem to be the implication O'Connell has also said we need to add more to that room I mean he said that explicitly at the owners meetings that we need to add to the room and that may even be a veteran player at some point to add to that group I think they are fond of both Booth and Evans I think they both still have a future in Minnesota, but I I just I feel like you probably have to add another guy that is either talented enough to play as a rookie or has enough of a track record that you could put him in. It just that group feels to me like it's going to change. And not because Booth and Evans can't necessarily play, but you just you need depth at that position. The in the immortal words of Mike Zimmer, the right number of corners and he was he was right about this. Uh, the right number of corners is a lot of times just one more, especially when you have young players that maybe get grabby or get injured. It is a position where it's never a bad idea to have another guy available. Yeah, we have we've never been the podcast accused of caping up for um, a certain Vikings head coach, former one, but no, <laughs> Mike, they need another corner. They do. Or two. I, I you, yeah, at least at least one more. Just not just one more. At least one more. <laughs> um, you just look at the room and what's gone out. I mean, even if you don't love, you know, if you yeah. even you weren't in love with some of the guys they had, I was. Who could not love Duke Shelley though? I liked Duke Shelley. Duke Shelley I'm, was a fun I'm su- story. I'm surprised they didn't keep Duke Shelley because he was pretty good. But maybe this is maybe he wasn't that good. I don't know. I don't know. He he seemed like he was. I, I just wonder. I would love Brian Flores's honest assessment of a five foot nine corner yeah 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 maybe that's I, part of it. i just think we, we know what mike zimmer thought of five foot nine corners yeah we do we know what defensive coaches generally think there's thresholds there's prototypes there's you want outside corners to be bigger than five nine and if they can't play the slot like he is a guy that wasn't trained to 
what is your utility outside of a minimum deal, a veteran minimum contract? And clearly, he wanted more than but that. But he played bigger than 5'9". His heart, <laughs> man. His heart was big. He's I like agree. Teddy. His heart this, was really I'm, big. They I'm took not an, even. They took an x-ray, and he was all dog. I'm heart not was, even being facetious. heart was too large. I'm not even being facetious. He was that meme where it was he just was. the dog inside yeah. the x-ray. But you know what? He's still a 5'9 dog. <laughs> he is. And then, you know, and they got rid of, obviously, Patrick Peterson's gone. They, they cut... Uh, uh, we f- we forget too soon what's his name. God, why, why am I forgetting? Uh, Dancer, 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 Cameron Dancer, Cameron Dancer. Yeah, yeah. And Shannon Sullivan's a free agent, so Chris Boyd signed somewhere else. Like they're they're like five guys who were on the depth chart last year, and they brought Chris one. Chris Boyd signed somewhere else with some social media shade this week too. Did he? I didn't yeah. see that. He what did he do? He thanked um, the fans, his teammates, uh-huh. and Matt Daniels and Durante Jones. He said that's it for coaches so he said that's it specifically yeah, pretty much yeah oh, I, I go find the tweet wow specifically but yes he he was very clear Where did he about sign? I can't did he say Arizona. that did he say verbatim I, that's it okay i gotta find this now yeah, or we, did, did he just leave out at donatel and and um uh, <laughs> he said mike he, zimmer the, and okay here we go um come on uh vikes nation speaking specifically to the fans the city minneapolis and the players only plus coach had and durante so, uh, those are the only two coaches he mentioned. Specifically, only. Yeah. This is that. a guy who, when they needed a corner last year, which again they did, they did. Um, they, I don't know if you guys paid attention, but they needed corners. Mm-hmm. Um, he played 37 snaps last year. Yeah, and he was fully healthy throughout yeah. the entire thing. Good so special teams player. They, yeah, very good. Developed and was really a guy that I think a lot of teammates gave credit to, just as being a good locker room guy. To to what extent or value that's rated as for a GM, not much clearly because he's in Arizona now. He also responded to a dude that was looking for a jersey. Man, you are a, deep a, into the Chris Boyd I don't social know why media I came right now. Across this, and this is not typically me. But, no. Um, <laughs> he responded to a dude that uh, said Boyd left us hanging. I think, I think he was looking for jerseys or something. Uh, he said, "We rode for you and you left us hanging." And Boyd quote tweeted it with, "Nah, the Viking staff did." Oh, so, oh wow yeah, so okay okay well he's he's not the first or last guy who's going to disagree with his usage right. um especially for but, somebody who didn't play but he five didn't get out a chance. five out one in just as a number standpoint you're yeah. gonna have to add something else although if you think if you look at it if they really are as high on scene booth um caleb evans like these are guys who barely played last year so there's three that you're potentially adding to the room, especially if Bynum plays some snaps at nickel or something like that, because they've got Seen and and you know and Harrison Smith back there. I don't know, but they, they got to add somebody else besides Byron Murphy. This right? Mike, I got a math problem for you. Okay, what does five out plus one in equal? Say that again. What does five out plus one in equal? Minus four. Just one more. <laughs> what's more. what's fascinating is that they've got three corners essentially in Byron Murphy, Andrew Booth, and Caleb Evans. Yeah, and they have three corners. Those three. So if nobody gets hurt, they're going to be fine. The new regime has been here for 14 months, and they only have corners that they've handpicked. Yeah, that is You're true. Right. That You're is right. true. They have gotten rid of everybody. You're right. That would have been brought in from the previous staff. Like Many, just, just one less. <laughs> just one less. They took a flamethrower in the 2021 draft class. That's insane. <laughs> they really yeah. did. Like they took in, they brought in so many corners over the years, and this regime said we don't want any of them. Who was even left from the 2021 draft class? There were like four players. I mean, there weren't a lot of corners in that group. But no, but they, who's even left from that draft class? Because they already uh, gassed Christian Derisaw. Yeah, Derisaw. That was a good pick. Yeah, the first run left tackle, I'd hope, <laughs> could but he was like, than a But he was like 23. Like, that was a good pick. Cam Bynum would Cam have been Bynum. the other one. Bynum played every snap last year. Yeah. And Wong Wu and Patrick Jones. Mm. Kellen Mond, Chad Surratt, Wyatt Davis. 
Patrick I see Jones, him every day. Janarius Robinson, Amir Smith-Marset, who's catching passes from Patrick Mahomes now in the offseason. Did you see that? Yeah. How about that? Uh, Zach Davis. Super Bowl hero. It does not matter. But Zach, they only, they only have five Davis picks, though, and like – Two of them. Zach Davidson, was there one more? Like they picked twenty they pick twenty third and then their next pick is their pick they pick twenty third and their next pick is like their next pick is like eighty seventh this yep. year, right? Yep. Like yep. they gotta do something. I, I have a feeling they're I'm just imagining that twenty three is gonna become thirty one and seventy four. Yes. Yes. That that uh the I haven't even the looked at like what seven the seven round is, mock draft in the Star Tribune in a week. Uh I don't think I'm giving away too much inside spoiler. I'm not giving away too many spoilers here to say there will be a trade back in the first round. There'll be a trade back, but they're still going to stay late in the first round yep. so they can take the quarterback, quarterback fifth year option. They're not Tendon Hooker from Tennessee. No, I don't think it's you're on the clock. This. What about a wide receiver? What if they just shun defense altogether and say, you know, this whole drafting corners thing just hasn't worked out for us. We're just not going to drafting corners to 45 for wins. We're just yeah, we're going to get a wide receiver and you know we're going to try to outscore you. Uh, we're going to have every running back. Um, <laughs> uh, what else stood out to you guys uh, from the press conference before we let yeah, – we're at about a half hour. What, what else stood out to you guys from what we heard? I uh, thought it was interesting just kind of at the beginning. This might have been Ben's question even just about, like, what's different this year versus last year. And we kind of think about how they did come in this last year and they had to like – A week they, before the combine. I what's mean, it? They, they got their – head coach like a week or two before the combine so they had like two, basically two months to prepare for the draft and some of that was you know Quasi's talking about like you don't know where to park you don't know what you're doing in the building yeah. you have your you have your values but you don't really have your system in place so i imagine like it almost kind of sounded like they didn't quite know what they were doing in the draft last year or like they didn't quite know what their process was yet so maybe knowing that um i don't know i'm saying like explains how they drafted last year because but we'll see how that class pans out but I think we can have heightened expectations for evaluating this draft class more than we did last year. Yeah, Ben, you asked him about just the transition into this second year. Yeah. What, what, what did you take away from that? Well, response? yeah, I mean, I think kind of like Mike is referring to here, it, it is a different thing, I think, when you can sit down and actually assess, okay, where have we been rather than hypothetically – you know, we haven't talked to the players that we're going to coach yet. We don't really know them. We haven't scouted them. We have the same scouting staff so they can give opinions, but we haven't dealt with them on a daily basis. It's a hard thing to figure out on the fly when you're doing that in year one, even if you feel like there's some consistency with the scouts. There's you know a couple of coaches. There's people in the building that can help get you up to speed. It It's hard to outsource all of the stuff that you would gain from – a normal year of just getting to know people and getting a feel for how they fit. So I think that part of it is going to be different. I think it puts them in a better spot. I am curious. We didn't really get into the Brian Flores um, piece of this equation a whole lot of how much he's going to have kind of a, a menu and With say, go get me this player. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see that because that part is still new where it's, New scheme, new coach directing it, hasn't dealt hands-on with a lot of these players. So is that piece of the transition still something that is a little bit of a, a learning curve for them to match up the players they want with the scheme and how they're going to be coached? Yeah, we'll have to see on that. But I, I think overall, um, you know, when we ask those questions, they kind of smile and think back. And it's like, you know, you can kind of see it in their faces. Like, yeah, we really were um, – 
just trying to keep our heads above water last year. I guess the only other thing that I thought was interesting we can get out of here after that is just um, O'Connell, just the fact that O'Connell is a former quarterback himself and how much he watches quarterback tape and how much that probably changes the process from the previous regime when Spielman was probably the one who was making the decision on any quarterbacks they drafted. And Mike Zimmer, certainly not a quarterback expert. I'm sure he loved Teddy. That was a guy he, he loved, but... The opinions on that, that head coach having an opinion that matters on a quarterback is different than what we've seen before. Well, and that's the, I mean, you think about it. That's the, this is the first time in 15 years, give or take, uh, 13 uh, to the end of Brad Childress, where you had the head coach in a spot where he's got some level of hands on expertise with the quarterback. I mean, the last two guys were defensive coaches for 10 years. And, Certainly, were not. I mean, you know, Kevin Stefanski is probably the most highly regarded offensive mind to come through here in the last decade or so. Apologize to anybody I'm missing. Pat Shermer, but, yeah. Gary Kubiak, the legend. Well, yeah, I mean, of course, <laughs> in terms of like up and coming <laughs> yeah, 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 position yeah. coach types. Yep. Um, Andrew Janoko has continued to to climb in the league, but you haven't had like offensive coordinators that come in with this great I mean John DiFilippo had a pedigree when he came in here and Shermer got a head coaching job but lost it Shermer did and sure that was round two for Shermer but there has not been for for most of the time that we've been around Mm -hmm. it it's not been this like uh think tank of quarterback experts quarterback guru yeah the the quarterback and how the quarterback guru's track record matching the reputation you know that's a that's an open question it has not been an area where they've majored, I think, in the coaching staff. And I there certainly is more of that now. There's more high-level people in the organization that spend time with that position, spend time thinking about that position, spend time kind of being the ones to drive the discussion on that position. So um, it, it could take a little bit of a different feel as a result of that. What you're saying is this is no longer Vlad Dukas' team. It is no longer Vlad Dukas's team. This is no longer Jabari Price's team or Teddy Bridgewater's team. We'll see whose team it is uh, come draft week. That's the next time we will talk to you guys. From Until then, please check out StarTribune.com and download our Star Tribune podcasts wherever you get them.